Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Georgia Southern fans. This is your producer, Zach Dennis, with a quick note before we get into this week's podcast. This podcast was recorded on Tuesday, so that came before the news that the Georgia Southern Appalachian State game had been postponed until December. If you want more information on that, please go to savannahnow.com slash sports, and Nathan has written up a story breaking down the news related to that game. I know they do a little bit of a preview to that game in this podcast, but uh, overall it doesn't really affect the the content in this episode. Just wanted to give you a heads up that they will not be addressing the uh, the, the game change, so on to the episode. Oh, he will. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. Ass swings. On the way. It's gone. It is well with my stolen Montgomery. Georgia Southern Hi, you're listening to Georgia Southern Extra. I'm your co-host, Nathan Dominus. With me is my co-host, our co-host, McLean Baxley. McLean, how are you doing tonight? Doing great. Another uh, another week in the life. <laughs> okay, we'll take that. Uh, we should let everyone know we're recording this on Tuesday night, uh, October 6th. And um, we don't know, by the time you hear this, we don't know what's going to happen in the world of college football. But we're going to just play it as as it's scheduled, which is, uh, Georgia Southern played ULM last Saturday. They won 35 to 30, and the Eagles are off this weekend. Their next game is scheduled for October 14th, 7.30 p.m. at Statesboro at Paulson Stadium against Appalachian State. And we're going to talk more about that game on the next podcast next week, a little closer to game time, and we'll touch on it today. But let's spend our time right now talking about Georgia Southern, Louisiana Monroe, and Georgia Southern now being 2-1. and one. Uh, and it was another close game. So, uh, McLean, how is your heart right now? It, it was uh, just another week, you know, three games in a row where it's come down to that final play. Um, I think Georgia Southern fans uh, would would die and love a you know comfortable win where they can kind of sit back and relax the fourth quarter. But um, they make you, they keep you invested. They keep you watching the screen and you know checking the stats up to that. Zero, 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 you know, so it's, it's been uh, exciting to watch for sure. It's almost like you couldn't make this up because uh, everybody remember back uh, the season was supposed to start at Boise State. That didn't happen. Then the home opener became the season opener against Campbell, an FCS school, which on paper, we didn't really know Campbell yet. It was the first game for both teams. We knew they had a, a, a nice, a really nice quarterback. We knew they had a big, big offensive line, but the prediction was uh, Georgia Southern was going to win handily. Um, it didn't happen that way. The, the game went down to the last play, the last couple of plays. Uh, Campbell had scored with 15 seconds left, went for the two-point conversion, uh, missed it, and needed to get an onside kick to have any hope of getting the ball back with uh, just a few seconds left. Didn't happen, so Georgia Southern was able to escape 27-26. And uh, you remember your thoughts at the time about 
is this the real Georgia Southern team? Or do we just say, hey, it's the first game jitters. They were out 33 players for various reasons. And we're just going to write this off as a, as a, a win is a win. Is that, was that kind of the thinking at the time? Definitely. I mean, I think, I think, uh, you know, you've got a 33 guys out, a lot of them uh, starters, especially on defense and Campbell and the fighting camels took advantage. And, uh, you know, Hodge Malik Williams, you know, won FCS player of the week after that performance. And, uh, okay. you know, they showed that they had, um, you know, difficulty stopping him, but and then the next week or two weeks later, you know, against Louisiana, totally different team. You know, they, they didn't, you know, pitch a perfect game, but it was, it's pretty close to it, especially on, you know, on offense and, you know, draining the clock and doing what they wanted to. And, um, yeah, I mean, it came down again to that last play where Louisiana drove the distance and, you know, nailed a 53 yarder to, to, you know, win a walk off at home. Yeah. And, and it was, it's almost uh, a reversal, not only in the outcome being a loss instead of a win, but because Georgia Southern was the heavy underdog against a Louisiana team that had a already was having a great season. They were a preseason favorite, if you will, or co-favorite to uh, to be uh, one of the best Sunbelt's top one or two teams along with Appalachian State. And Georgia Southern was the upset minded team. They were the Campbell in this in this uh, matchup and they almost pulled it off. I think they probably felt they were they played well enough to win, would you say? Yeah, I mean they were ranked. Um, they're ranked again now, but uh, you know they were number nineteen at the time, and um, I mean Georgia Southern gave them everything they could, and I think Louisiana is going to be you know winning the West, uh, winning, winning the Sun Belt West, and proving that they're one of the top teams not only in the Sun Belt but in the Group of Five, and a team that could compete for that uh, you know New Year Six bid um, you know down the down the stretch. So it was a low-scoring game, 20-18, to 18, uh, in favor of Louisiana on that 53-yarder by uh, Nate Snyder, a kicker who was not very good. I think he would acknowledge that. Not very good start to his season, and the odds seemed to be favoring Georgia Southern. So there was almost a – at that point, not not before the game, not during the game, but at that point, there was almost a disbelief like, ah, oh, he's not going to make this. And they were the ones celebrating. Uh, the Raging Cages were the ones celebrating. So you have another game uh, – the next week against another Louisiana team in Louisiana. But once again, the roles were reversed. Georgia Southern was the heavy favorite. ULM was 0-3 and it looked bad in the 0-3. If you guys heard our uh, podcast last week, we heard, we learned all about how, how many struggles were going on with the, uh, with the uh, Warhawks. Uh, they were, they only like ran for seven yards uh, a week, a week earlier. And they have one of the best running backs in the conference in Josh Johnson. So on paper, it was supposed to be Georgia Southern with one of those comfortable wins that you were talking about, not down to the last second. But what actually happened, McLean? It went down to the last second once again. Yeah, I mean, there were several times in that game where Georgia Southern could have put it away, go up by, you know, several scores and really just, you know, kind of rest their players. And, and you know, like you said, you know, come away with a two-touchdown Three touchdown uh, win, like they on paper they were supposed to, but a uh, you know couple you know fails to you know convert a third down or you know turnover here or there. I mean they they gave everything they could to to give you a limited chance, and um, you know I know you know the famous quote about you know any given Sunday and any given Saturday night it could happen. So. Um, you know, ULM, that might have been the, the best game they ever played. You know, playing every game like it's your last because it might be in this, you know, culture of coronavirus. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they gave them all, you know, 
finishing with 426 yards um, on 73 offensive plays uh, is is crazy. And um, you know they're still you know ULM is still 0 and 4, and Georgia Southern's now 2 and 1, 1 and 1 in conference. Uh, the somewhat play, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was a game that that took all sixty minutes. The uh, and and for people that didn't see the finish, uh, you might have heard about it, but you have to see it. Uh, Georgia Southern, like you said, had a had what should have been a comfortable lead. They're up thirty five seventeen, and we'll talk more about what they did right for three quarters. But in the fourth quarter, the offense was not able to do much, if anything. And Georgia, uh, Louisiana Monroe was in position to drive. I think the 242 left, uh, drive the length of the field. Uh, they used up their timeouts, so they were at the, the Georgia Southern 9 with 12 seconds left, no timeouts. They had a couple downs to play with, and Colby Suits, uh, that's the name of the quarterback for ULM, he ended up throwing it 54 times, completing 31, and he probably, I know he feels that he should have completed uh, several more of those, but on the last play of the game, he didn't throw the pass. He didn't throw a pass. He ran, he took off and ran with it, and he was stopped somewhere between the one yard line and the goal line uh, on a tackle by Rashad Bird. And they they reviewed this. They took a long time to review it. I'd say well over two minutes, right? To review this oh, play, yeah. it was ruled on the field that the ball was down at the one. The uh, the the ULM offense had popped back up to try to spike the ball, but they had the, because it was a running play. Uh, down in, 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 you know, inbounds, the clock kept running and not that it was a running play that was the, the, you know, that they ran on the play, but it was down and they didn't have time to end the, end the game with one more play. So uh, the ball was down within the one yard line, the clock had run out and it was all up to the officials to either reverse the call or keep the call on the field, which was uh, the ruling was that the, the player was down uh, he rolled into the end zone with his momentum, but then uh, the ball ended up in the end zone, but not when his elbow first touched down. So that's how close it was to Louisiana Monroe upsetting Georgia Southern. And you talk about heartbreak the week before for Georgia Southern. This was heartbreak for the, U- the ULM fans, and they had fans, some fans in the stands. So McLean, knowing what we saw, lots of questions. What's the real Georgia Southern team? This maybe should be safe for the end, but let's ask it right now. Are they two and one? Are they a three and zero team that had some bad play go against them at Louisiana? Are they an zero and three team that's lucky to be two and one, or is one and two? Maybe they should have. Which one of those four uh, records is closest to the truth of what Georgia Southern is? I think two and one. I think their two wins are against teams that. They should have won, you know, on paper, you know, like you said, Campbell, FCS team. And then this Saturday, they were 22-point favorites uh, on the road against a winless ULM team. And then they were underdogs against Louisiana. So I think a 2-1 and one ranking or 2-1 and one record is, is fair for the Eagles uh, this season. And um, though, like you said, it could have been 3-0, and they could be 0-3. Oh but, uh, you know, I think the total mar- – what is it? Their total margin of uh, victory is just six. Um, so, I mean, they, they've uh, – Made it close. I don't think you can get much closer than that. But uh, you know, two and one. Now you've got you know a week and a half before your rivals come to town. And uh, yeah, I mean they're, they're. I feel like they feel pretty good where they're at right now. You know they've got they've had a couple games where the run game has been really has been there, and then they had that one game where Shy Wirtz, you know, the passing game was there. So I mean they're still kind of finding their identity on offense. I feel like, but yeah. uh, I think two and one's a fair record so, so far. Yeah. 
And and um, just for, for people that are uh, nitpickers, I think it's eight points difference in three games, which is still a very small margin when you consider uh, they could have lost, uh, obviously, by uh, that if Colby Suits had gotten in for a touchdown. Uh, yeah, two and one, they'll take it. Uh, as Coach Chad Lunsford said, a win is a win. And like you said, they were favored to beat Campbell, won that game. They were favored to beat ULM, won that game. They were favored. They were not favored. Louisiana was favored to win that game. Georgia Southern actually had the lead going into the last play of the game. So, uh, you know, it's what might have been. But two and one, one and one the conference. I don't know. If they were three and oh, I don't want to play what if. But if they were three and oh right now, I don't know uh, how, how people would be reacting because it would be, it would be a, kind of a weird three and oh. But that's a, a, an if thing. Um, yeah. What, what about you talk about the identity? That's one of the things I wanted to talk about tonight was be who you are. We, we, we saw them run the ball effectively uh, the first week. We saw them throw the ball effectively, very effectively against Louisiana in the second game. The Florida Atlantic game in between got postponed to December 5th uh, because of an outbreak uh, uh, on the, or, uh, the Owls program, the Florida Atlantic program, uh, since the beginning of that week. So that game was not played, and that might have been interesting. Another what if. So, but, they, but Georgia Southern's offense passed the ball effectively against Louisiana, and then against ULM, a team that, that uh, people had run and passed on, Georgia Southern uh, went to the run, and uh, you mentioned uh, they only threw the ball. Um, Shy Wirtz only threw the ball seven times, completing three for 29 yards, uh, along of 17 out of that. So not a lot of success passing, not a lot of attempts. This was a running team, and uh, is that – it, it, they, they had drives that were based almost totally on the, the success of the run from the beginning, the first drive on. Is that is that what, what this team is built for? Or should they I try to mix it up? If they should mix it up and, and keep the defense guessing. I, I, it's, or do you go with the hot hand, basically? I mean, I think, you know, since uh, you know, 1983, you know, they've been a running team, and this year was no different. They, they had four guys that rushed for over 30 yards on Saturday against Louisiana Monroe. Uh, you know, led by J.D. King's 196 yards uh, on the ground. And so, I mean, I think – but then with this year, with Wirtz being able to succeed and having the success uh, through the through the air, I think it's a great backup plan in that when you have these, you know, third and eights or third and nines and um, – or you do want to keep the, keep the defense sleeping or, or catch the defense sleeping, having that opportunity to throw and having that weapon, that secret weapon kind of to throw – and be accurate and be fast and be, you know, Wurtz has gotten a lot smarter with the ball. Um, I think that's just a great, you know, thing you have in your back pocket. But I think your bread and butter is running. You've got four or five guys that could start on a lot of teams all in your backfield, um, you know, included in that is Shy Wurtz. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, all five of their running backs slash quarterbacks all, ha- all had their, their, their lowest – was uh you know Matt LaRoche only had four touches for eleven yards, but everybody else had thirty plus yards. So I mean it's a it's a very balanced backfield, and uh, you know everyone's getting touches and and touches when they need to. So uh, yeah, I think they should you know stick to that run game and force teams to stop them because um, because Campbell couldn't do it, uh, Louisiana Monroe couldn't do it, and you know whether it's App State or Troy or Coastal or you know, FAU at the end of the year, you know, force that, force that defense to stop all four of your runners. And then you can use Wurtz's arm to, to convert plays. 
Yeah, I think there's two big points, and you and you touched on one is uh, you 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 do you take what the defense gives you, and and I would think every defense is going to load up and prepare as much as they can on maybe on a short week or a, a week and a half like App State's going to have uh, now that they're not playing this Wednesday. Um, you if the defense gives you the over the top pass like I guess Louisiana did, you take it and you see how effective it was. Hello, George Southern listeners. This is your producer, Zach Dennis, with a quick word before we get back to the podcast. Right now, we have a special offer for Georgia Southern extra listeners. That's at savannahnow.com slash digital only offers so that you can get exclusive access to all of our Georgia Southern stories from Nathan Dominance and McLean Baxley. So if you are a fan of the podcast, please consider supporting the, the Savannah Morning News and savannahnow.com to get all of that coverage right to your desktop, your mobile phone, or whatever you do use to listen or see news again that's savannahnow.com slash digital only offer now back to the podcast but you, like you said you want to go with what works and it's the running game and and the runners are um a very a, a various effectiveness jd king let's talk about him first of all um 21 carries 196 yards he had that 62 yarder on the opening drive that kind of set the toe definitely set the tone uh, but these are he's not uh, a guy that avoids contact. It's in fact he kind of thrives on being a bruising, punishing runner, which uh, which we we talked talked to Chad Lunsford about on Monday. You know, after the game, uh, a couple of days had settled in, and he talked about how strong a runner is, how he keeps his legs pumping, and he has a uh, he's great on yards after contact. He averaged nine point three yards a carry. Now that's a mathematical answer, but in terms of you know, the eyeball test, what do you see when you see the ball handed off to J.D. King off tackle? What do you see happening? He's electric. I mean, he, he like you said, he'll, he invites those hits. He kind of lowers his shoulder. He falls forward. Um, and then if he can get to that outside, if he can find that hole, he can, he got a burst of speed that you said, you know, can go for 62 yards down the right side. So, I mean, he is dynamic and strong. And I mean, he picked up 196 yards and I think this game was all about him. I think, you know, he, uh, you know, the team voted him player of the game on offense this week, but there's been other games where he's had a hundred yard games, but it's been really quiet and and that's just right. who he is and able to pick up. Oh, he's at 90 yards. You know, you didn't even think about it because so much more is going on, but he is so, uh, you know, this is the guy that when they recruited him from Oklahoma state, when, you know, he initially you know, went to Oklahoma State. This is the guy that they were looking to get, a guy from, you know, that, that can squat heavy. He's, you know, got huge shoulders and then can really, you know, punish a defense both physically and, you know, yard-wise and just continue to, to go forward. And um, he's quick as well. So, I mean, he, he's a, you know, and you talked about a little bit about, you know, the, the diversity of the running backs. you got him and then you got, you know, Wesley Kennedy, who's a lot faster, uh, more quick, more agile. And he's not going to be the guy that, you know, can carry three guys down the field. But, you know, on those like – we've seen him in you know, the past four years of catching those, you know, those little uh, sweeps or an option pitch or something. I mean, he, he's able to get that outside quicker and, and yeah. do more with less, I feel like. So, I mean, yeah. there's – He turns you know, the – he finds – yeah, he finds – Wesley Kenny finds those creases in, uh, in the, those holes, and he just – he's gone. And, and um, yeah, if he gets to the corner, as you've seen over the years, if he can turn the corner, you know, watch out, he gets an open field. Uh, J.D. King kind of makes his own way – kind of creates his own space in there. And then, like I said, if he does have some room to run, but 21 carries, that's punishing. 21 times, uh, you multiply that out um, in a game with how many hits he would take on a play, then you multiply it out a course of a season. You know, you better have a whole stable full of runners or 
maybe JD King doesn't play with shoulder pads. It sounds like what you said. Uh, he, he he's he's just going to be a a really tough problem for any defensive line. And maybe by the time the fourth quarter rolls around, he wears them out. But like you said, they have more than two runners. Although two, they're two two guys that would be all conference candidates. Certainly, uh, Logan Wright showed what he could do on on the few chances that he had. Tell me about what you saw. He had a 17 yard touchdown run where I think if they had 11 guys tackle him, it wouldn't have mattered. I mean, I don't mean to exaggerate, but there's at least three guys that he carried into the end zone on that play. Yeah, I mean, that's that's who he is. He's that bruiser guy, the guy that, you know, it's a third and two. You need those two yards and you can't just give it a, you know, quarterback sneak with works. And so you're going to give it to Logan Wright to burst up the middle and get there. And uh yeah, I mean, that's who he's been, you know, the past couple of years since he's been there. And uh, he's not one to be overlooked. And I think that's what's good about him is that he, uh, you know, you, you prepare for J.D. King. You know, he's leading – he's towards the top of the conference and yards. You, know, you prepare for Shy Wirtz because he's the quarterback. You know, every play starts with him. You prepare for Wesley Kennedy because he can do it all. Leftover is Logan Wright, who you might know a little bit about. He doesn't get as many touches. He doesn't – he's on the field as much. But he's just as uh, powerful and just as quick and, and similar to, um, you know, Kennedy can kind of make a, you know, two-yard run into a 10-yard run pretty easily. So uh, he, he's the bruiser of the guys, and uh, he's made his impact count for sure. And they seem to trust Matt LaRoche as well. Um, he's been around for a while too. And it's good to have those guys to spell each other. Uh, they J.D. King was interviewed after the game and asked about – the different running backs and like we would call them change of pace uh, to a point. And certainly uh, none of them run like shy Wirtz runs exactly. None of them run exactly like how Wesley Kennedy runs. So JD King said, you know, they learn from each other. And I think there's a strong bond. You had written uh, before the season about this experience on offense and uh, uh, the coach of UL Matt Viator talked about how Wirtz Kennedy and King, it seems like they've been there forever. Uh, they're all seniors. Uh, Shy Wirtz being a redshirt senior. Of course, um, J.D. King had transferred in. Wesley Kenny's been there all four years. Um, have they been there forever? Do you see a little gray in their beards? And are other teams tired of them? Because they do have a lot of experience. Uh, no, and that's the interesting thing is that it feels like they've been around. I mean, Shy for sure. I mean, he, this is his fourth year starting, and you know he's been the starting quarterback all four years. But with Kennedy and King, I mean, it's only King's second year in the Sun Belt, and he's – you know, already made a name for himself as one of the top runners in the Sun Belt. And then, you know, Kennedy still seems so young and maybe, I don't know, but I mean, he could, you know, he's stronger than I'll ever be, but I mean, he, uh, you know, he, he, he seems like he's been around for a while just because you hear his name so often because most of the time he gets the ball, it's going to be a 30, 40 yard, either a reception or a run. Um, and, and, you know, he scored a lot of touchdowns in his, in his career. So, I mean, they've been around for a couple, they have that experience. Not, I think I made a tweet about it the other day about um, shy and JD and just their chemistry. And, you know, shy is when he pitches the ball out, he kind of pitches it forward so that JD will run right under it and catch it. And, you know, he's already, it's, it's, it's like a baton in a you know track meet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that chemistry has been there and you can tell in the, in this off season, especially their chemistry has gotten better. Their, their communication's better. And just their, just their raw talent has gotten better on, on all three of them. So uh, yeah. it's been exciting to watch these first three games and for, you know, for past two games with Kennedy involved. Well, you, you also made a great point. You know, they had no turnovers uh, in that game, unless I'm wrong. Uh, they had no turnovers, no fumbles, no interceptions. And uh, that's key. When you have an option offense with all those pitches, you see what happens with a team that's not clicking, like uh, say Georgia tech, 
where they could run for a ton of yards, but they also have some costly turnovers. That's kind of the bargain you make when you do a, an option offense. Uh, George Southern, uh, you know, this is a lot of credit to Shy Wirtz. And like you said, all that preparation, they, he puts the ball where the runners can get it. He throws the ball where only the receivers can get it. Uh, uh, most of the time, I, I guess they, you know, he's thrown interceptions before in his life, but they played uh, in terms of a game that was so close where turnovers would have been uh, what changed the course of the game. Uh, and they did on special teams. And I wanted to get to that. You take away one or two plays on any of the three games that Georgia Sun has played, and you might have a different outcome. And especially you take away the block punts, the player of the week uh, blocked partially blocked one punt, which set them up in great field position, I think around the 50. And then he blocked a punt that Rashad, Rashad Bird, who seemed to be the man on the spot uh, where you needed him the most, he covered that ball in the end zone for a touchdown. And that ended up being the winning points because Georgia Southern did not score in the fourth quarter. Uh, and that was a third quarter play. So special teams offense, which brings me to the defense. And I know we have a, a long answer to this question. Talk about how good the defense was last year when you have NFL talent cornerbacks. And then what you have now, no offense to the cornerbacks there now, but you haven't been at full strength. You have inexperience. You have guys that haven't started a lot. You have guys that are still out, like Duncan, are still out, uh, haven't played yet this season, if I'm correct. Um, what's the sh- what's your, your take on the shape of the pass defense right now? Because, you know, you got Raymond Johnson, great pass rusher. Got CJ right back. They, he fills the, the middle. But what what are they going to do about a team that, like a Louisiana Monroe that has a quarterback that's willing to throw it up there fifty four times and probably should have completed more than thirty one of those passes? And that was after he lost his all conference tight end Josh Peterson to an, an ankle injury, I believe. I think that was late in the first half, and uh, if not early in the third quarter. Uh, he was not at full – he did not have all his weapons, but he certainly uh, put a scare into everybody with the way they were able to move down the field when they had to going – and they went five for five on fourth downs. That's the losing team went five for five on fourth downs. You don't hear that a lot. So what do you, what's, what your, what's your opinion of the, the current state of the, the pass defense and where it, where it could be uh, headed in the, the near future? I mean, that's the thing is we haven't seen them at full strength. Like you said, yeah, Kendrick Duncan's still out. Uh, with some injuries and, you know, Daryl Baker's been in and out with injuries and, and, you know, suspensions and COVID and, you know, everyone, we haven't seen the full pass defense, but as of right now, through three games, uh, it's, it's been rough. I think, you know, when you have, you know, Hodge Malik Williams, who, yes, he's very good, but when he was able to just go down the field with ease in the Campbell game, um, you know, about a month ago, I mean, that, that shouldn't happen against, you know, a division one team that has aspirations of playing for a Sunbelt championship or championship in general. And it seems to me that they're relying too much on that uh, experience, um, you know, in the defensive line and then in the linebacker core, you know, Raymond Johnson, CJ Wright, Justin Ellis, uh, Rashad Bird at at linebacker. So there's a lot of core up there. And we see in the first half, you know, against Louisiana and against Louisiana Monroe, that's good enough. You know, they're able to plug the holes. They're able to get to the – quarterback to you know pressure him and and you know maybe get a sack or, or and, and you know stop for um tackle for loss but then mm-hmm. as the game goes on and adjustments are made on that offensive line they're able to slow down the defensive ends and and you know defensive line into where it's one-on-one on the outside and three for three so far it seems like the receivers have gotten the better end and so i don't know what adjustments are made based off what you have. But, um, and like you said, you know, every, every game it's been a different 
roster, it seems like, based on who's there and who's not. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's – right now, you know, they haven't played App State. They haven't played Troy. They haven't played uh, these teams that are – Also Carolina. Being, uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, these teams that are known for, you know, throwing the ball a lot. You know, it's a, it's a, the Sun Belt is a passing conference, and when you're struggling in that secondary, when you're struggling – you know, in the defensive backfield, it's going to hurt you eventually. And, you know, so far they've been able to, you know, stay the course and, you know, win the games they're supposed to win and lose the games they're supposed to lose. But at some point when you've got to get over that bridge of, you know, getting to that Sun Belt Championship, which we've said all preseason, that's what all this team has said, is that they're not satisfied with just beating App State and Georgia State. They're not satisfied with, you know, play, competing with the top teams in the country. They want to play and win a Sun Belt Championship. And if you're not going to be able to keep up with the uh, receivers and tight ends, that's where the teams will just, you know, eat you up. And, and yeah. it's shown, you know, in, in a couple games. Yeah, I, 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 you're, I think you're spot on. I know you're spot on. Uh, just seeing how they were um, ULM, which, you, you know, said they've passed the ball a ton because they've been behind in all their games, behind by a lot. But their offense has not been able or their defense has not been able to keep up with with things on the, on the ULM side, they're getting, they were giving up over 30 points a game and the defense did not give up all 35 of those points. Cause you, you got the special teams touchdown at the end, but it all adds up the same on the scoreboard. And if Georgia Southern had played a low scoring game, I hate to say if again, but if they had played a low scoring game uh, with ULM, I don't know if it would have turned out the same way. ULM's offense, uh, you said, even with even being a little shorthanded in the second half, uh, because you saw, you saw, you've seen how talented Josh Peterson is, and even his, the guy who stepped up uh, did a nice job. But the quarterbacks used to throw into his, uh, you know, safety valve or his number one target. He was picking other targets out, and two and three times in a row, it wasn't any secret. You know, he would he would see somebody open and he would throw it. And uh, George Southern only had one sack. AJ Watkins, I'm looking at the stats, only one sack. It doesn't have quarterback pressures here, uh, but. The uh, the 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 a nice uh, rush a nice um, pass rush can only do so, buy so much time for the um, for the, the defensive secondary and uh, I guess we knew this uh, just going into the season like I said if you have a uh, Kendall Vildor an NFL uh, future NFL near future because he's with the Bears Chicago Bears uh, you have a future NFL cornerback and Montavious Brinson another high quality all conference cornerback. Those are uh, that's a huge difference compared to what a, a team normally would have from year to year, and for them to they they like you said a lot of inexperience, and then some of the guys they were counting on, like Kenderick Duncan, are not back yet, and that would could be make make be be all they need. Who knows? Maybe one or two pieces back in place, and uh, you know they they did have limited practice uh, in the spring, uh, very limited, and in the summer because of the pandemic. And maybe they needed that. Uh, you talk about the importance of spring football. Maybe they needed that a lot more than when than we thought about to this point. But it is only three games into the season. Um, the defense is going to have to improve. Uh, you see how crazy uh, or how unpredictable the Southern the Sun Belt is. I guess with a minute, a couple minutes, what we have left. What have you seen uh, in the Sun Belt, McLean? And where do you think Georgia Southern fits into that pecking order right now? We know that before the season, uh, App State was the clear favorite to win the division and to win the conference. I mean, that was the trend. Um, the uh, uh, Louisiana uh, in Lafayette was the favorite in the other division. They'd met the last two years in the championship game. That was how it was pegged to go this year. Georgia Southern had other ideas or has other ideas. 
Uh, now we see Georgia State's better than th uh, thought of. Um, Coastal Carolina has done very well, much better than expectations early on. Louisiana's still a handful. Arkansas State's been kind of uneven, but they seem dangerous. Uh, what do you think top to bottom? Is this uh, Texas State's even had their moments. Uh, South Alabama's had their moments, but uh, it's moments, but nothing uh, consistent. Like I said, the schedule's been so uh, all over the place that it's hard to to just you know categorize any team as being only one thing. But in the last couple minutes here, what do you, how do you see the, the conference right now? Where where's the strength and where does Georgia Southern fit in? I think it shows another year that the Sun Belt East is just far more better than the Sun Belt West. I mean, you got like you said, Coastal Carolina. They're three and zero on the season with a win against a Big Twelve school. Sure, it's Kansas, but still. Uh, and then the other two conferences are the. Um, they beat Campbell handedly in this week against uh, Arkansas State. They dominated from you know beginning to end. So Coastal Carolina is far better than we expected. You know Georgia Southern's right up there with App State, who like you said, you know they were the preseason favorites. Troy is still figuring themselves out with you know new coach quarterback and new coaching staff, and and you know the Georgia State who has been able to compete in a lot of their games. So the Sun Belt East is, is another year where the Sun Belt East is, is better than the West. That said, on Saturday, as of right now, you know, at time of recording, you know, Coastal Carolina is scheduled to go to Louisiana Lafayette and play. You know, both teams are three and zero coming in. Coastal's one and zero in the Sun Belt. Louisiana's two and zero in the Sun Belt. Will that be a Sun Belt championship preview, or will that be uh, exposing the Chanticleers, or will it be exposing the Cajuns? We'll find out hopefully um, on Saturday if they get to play. And then the other big game is next Wednesday. You know, when, we'll talk about this again later. But uh, you know, when App State and Georgia Southern play, those two have been towards the. T I mean, App State has been the, the the breadwinner of the Sun Belt the past you know four or five years. But you know, Georgia Southern's been right up there with them. If Georgia mm -hmm. Southern, you know, is, is serious about you know they they've they have a game. Um, Fortunately, they you know they have a they have already gotten one game out of the way. Unfortunately, they already have a loss in conference, so they don't have that buffer because Coastal mm -hmm. Carolina is still undefeated. But I um, mean, you know, there's still a good bit of football left to play. But uh, I mean, it's, it's going to be an exciting season for the Sun Belt and and showing both nationally now with the national wins because you know you've had these upsets, you've had um you know all these non-conference wins and and you know upsetting power five conferences so the spotlight's on them the spotlight especially on saturday in lafayette if that game gets moved to conway uh, like we saw with lsu and missouri getting moved to the other... that's because of the uh, approaching hurricane we should point that out that as, as of now it hasn't hit the uh the uh, 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 uh united states but it's on its route towards louisiana if i'm correct um so yeah, they, you hope to get the game in uh, somewhere and that everybody is safe and it's, it's all handled safely between the pandemic and the weather and just the, the number of players that could be missing for any uh, reason, whether it's football related or pandemic related or, or, or uh, other, it's just, you don't know who's going to line up and if the game's going to be played. I think the, the conference uh, it's probably a safe bet to say that they're going to kind of eat each other a little bit. They're going to, there's going to be some teams that knock off each other. And unless you have a dominant team that somehow manages to maintain that over the course of this, uh, this crazy season, uh, you know, one loss is probably not going to stop a team from getting into the championship game, but we'll have, you know, they got to play the games. And I guess to close on this with, with the way Georgia Southern season's gone so far, you, uh, the Eagles and their fans would, would take uh, to get back to what we talked about at the top of the show, 
the the Eagles fans would certainly take a game not decided on the last play, one way or another. You know, you're up 35-17. Let's uh, you know learn how to win, learn how to uh, to wrap it up. Uh, what was the coach Lunsford talking about at the end of the game Saturday night? Right. Yep. We need to learn how to hold those wins. You know, finish games, finish games, and first you got to get in position to do that. And uh, like I said, it was with Louisiana, they had to rally and they came back. But then there was enough time for Louisiana to rally. And they obviously had uh, enough talent there uh, to do that. So, uh, McLean, um, I'll give you the last word. And, we, um, and we'll thank everybody for listening uh, to Georgia Southern Extra. Last thoughts, McLean. I mean, tune in on Saturday for uh, Louisiana and Coastal Carolina going to be a fantastic game between two undefeated teams. You know, I wish that college game day would be there, but they're not. And, uh, but it's just a great <laughs> yeah. opportunity for them. And then, you know, next week, hopefully app state and Georgetown have enough players so that we can play the, uh, you know, the best rivalry in the group of five between app state and Georgia Southern. So, uh, again, tune in next week and we'll have more on that game, but until then, uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks everybody. Uh, have a great night. And, uh, like I said, this is on Tuesday, the week before the App State game. So we will be back next week to talk about Georgia Southern hosting App State uh, scheduled for October 14th in Statesboro. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. Southern.